0: Welcome back to the Fantasy Madness Podcast with me, your host, the mad chatter, Ryan MK. That's right. That's right. Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, on the Twitters at RMK Madness. <clears throat> that's right. Whew. Feeling a little better today, as you all know. It was a bit of a rough week last week. I mean, obviously, shit is going on in the world. So it's a little bit rough for, well, most people right now, I won't say everyone, because some assholes in this world, I would say particularly the the rich white elite, seem to be just having a dandy old time at the moment. Except for all the Karens out there that are so worried about people stenciling Black Lives Matter, and and worried about people in the park on stairs, and like, Karens are coming out in full fucking force. So I guess that this must be really rough for them right now. You know what I mean? (laughs) But with everything going on, you don't want to add to it, right? And unfortunately for my family and myself, had a little bit added on. The wife had the kidney stones, right? And she couldn't pass them. So last Tuesday, she had a procedure. And that caused her great pain. And, and even more pain because she got an infection. And the infection, we, we believe, because of the stint that was put in there. And anyway, so after a very rough week and doctor's appointments and ER trip and all of that, lots of medicines and stuff, she finally got the stint out Friday. Been doing better over the weekend, gradually day by day, getting better and better. So good news, good news. Like to see my wife. Getting closer to her normal self. It's also good for me because fuck, the past week has been exhausting. Trying to stress out, getting all my stuff done. Plus, you, you know, you know me. I'm all in on the protests and everything going on with that. Fucking pandemic cases are start. The COVID is starting to spike again because it never went away. People, <laughs> I've been saying that shit. It, it's here to stay for a while. And all the, where's all the people? That were like, oh, yeah, that was just fake news and bullshit. Huh? Uh Uh-uh. If there's any of you left, you're going to start to quiet down real quick. For some reason, people think this is still a joke. And I'm telling you, the case is rising right now, which is a little freaky. But I'm super seriously worried for this fall. Flu season. Because the COVID's still going to be here. And if it's mutated to make it any worse, oh, man. It's going to be a rough fucking fall slash winter. We need to be safe, people. We need to be safe. And I know people got to get out there and protest. But if you notice, people want to bitch and say, oh, I guess the COVID is not a big deal because you're out there protesting. You see these fucking people out here protesting. They got masks. They're doing sanitizer. They're being as safe as they can. But some shit is just too important. Meanwhile, motherfuckers are out in like New York. Celebrating and partying and drinking and having fun. Like it's before the virus. Fucking nobody wearing gas masks. Just hanging out. Like, I'm sorry. But a protest is different than a bar trip, okay? It's different than going bar hopping, okay? One is for an important cause, one you're just doing for fun, for shits and giggles. So big fucking difference. Two, the protesters are being safe, as safe as they possibly can be given the circumstances of having to be in close confines for the protest. And yet assholes out there partying in bars and shit like that, you're not taking any precautions. So then we're going to have this case, all these cases, the COVID cases are going to rise, states are going to start spiking again, and people are going to go, oh, it's a fucking protest, not realizing that casinos and bars and shit like that are open all over the country, and people are going to that shit without wearing masks, without being careful. So at least the protesters are being careful. And again, that's something worth risking, whereas You really want to risk COVID just to go to the bar and drink with your buddy or to go to the fucking casino? That's... Whatever. You're the fucking moron. Protesting is a different story. Because that shit's pissing me off, man. People are either acting like COVID ain't no big deal. Or like... Yeah, you wanted... You were throwing a fit because you wanted a fucking haircut. These people are fucking bringing light to a major issue in the country. Big fucking difference, bro. <sighs> At this point, anybody, and I mean anybody, I've already told my uncle to go fuck himself, anybody that's got love and support for Mr. Trump, you can get the fuck out of my life, Period. Period. Because I'm over this shit. I'm over this shit. Fucking taking away protections against discrimination from the LGBTQ community. And doing so on the anniversary of that shooting. The Pulse. Pulse, right? I always get that fucking... Apologies if I fucked that up. But on the anniversary of that, Pride Month, and during a global pandemic... How many other ways can Trump say he does give no fucks about the LBGDQ community? Like, it's pretty clear who Trump cares about. And even then, he doesn't really care that much. He just knows that's his loyal base. And that's the, the elite white people and white supremacists. If you're rich and you're white, you probably like Trump a good amount. Not not everybody, obviously. But they seem to be the ones more inclined to back him. Just as with all the white supremacists. <laughs> and I get on Twitter all the time and I see these fucking people, and they're like hey, you guys are just blah 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 fucking liberals and lefties, and Democrats, blah, blah blah blah. We're gonna win in a landslide because Trump's the best president. Like I would just like to point out once again when y'all were protesting because you wanted haircuts or the little groups of, uh, you know, KKK and white power people that are out there protesting. How many people y'all got in those protests? 50? Like 50 people? How many people are protesting this Black Lives Matter movement? Thousands. And across the world, I might add. But you're right. There's a lot more of you, and there's a lot more support for Trump. <laughs> you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, you're right. The entire sports world is saying, okay, we're good with kneeling now. And NASCAR is saying, fuck Confederate flags, and people are complaining. But you're right. You're going to win in a landslide, even though things are clearly shifting, because even sports leagues, and this they would do go where the money's at. Okay, they went where the money's at last time. The NFL, for example, they went with the money because there's a whole lot of people saying, hey, I'm not paying. I'm not watching if people are going to disrespect the flag. And I'm so tired, so tired of that shit. Particularly coming from people, I would like to ask every single person that says it's disrespecting the flag. Have you never been in a concession stand, or in the bathroom during the national anthem? Don't talk about fucking disrespect. (sighs) The NFL, in 2016, when this was an issue, they sided with Trump. They sided with the people who said kneeling is disrespectful. They went where they thought the money was. They were afraid of losing those customers. Now, you could tell there's been a change because the NFL is saying, we're sorry, we fully support players' rights, peacefully protest, you can kneel all you want, and there's a problem with police brutality, and they've changed their tune completely. And to me, that's because everybody's seeing the seismic shift. It's not like this is the first time the Confederate flag has ever been brought up as it pertains to NASCAR. Yeah, this is the time it chose to say no more. And a lot of companies are doing that type of thing. So if that doesn't tell you the shift, and in my mind, a large part of that, not a large part, but a chunk of that, I do think, is people are so over Trump, they're supporting whatever he is against. I think that's a small chunk of the people out there. Not saying that those people don't care about Black Lives Matter or anything like that. But I feel like some people, some white people, I should specify that. <laughs> but some white people, I just feel like are really latching onto this because of their hatred for Trump. And that's fine. Whatever. We need to fight this. We need all the help we can get. We can't have another four years of Trump. We can't have these fucking asshole white elites and white supremacists getting any more confidence. Karens be damned. (laughs) Fucking bitches. Maybe we'll see Cap get back in the league. There's a lot of discussion about that. Because that is one thing the NFL could do to really show that they have changed. But I do think people make that much easier said than done. Because not every team needs Colin Kaepernick. And the NFL... I mean, it's not as though they can just force a team to sign Kaepernick. And even if a team does, they have to worry about, like, what if we cut him? Are we going to get a bunch of backlash? Bashlack. Bashlack. Backlash. What I meant to say. And, I mean, look at it. It, If he comes in and he's good, like, do you want cap there? If you're, for example, the New York Jets. Because what if Darnold goes through a two, three game stretch where he's struggling a little bit? He's a young quarterback. You got to let him play through that shit. But what happens if you've got Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick sitting on the bench? The fans start thinking, the coaches start thinking, maybe we got a better shot with Cap. And for depending on how he is, maybe they do. People could say he's been out the league too long. But hey, let's not forget about Michael Vick. Okay, dude was out for a while because of his mistakes. He had to pay his price, but he was given a chance, came back into the league and played well, man. So you can't, can't count out cap yet. Can't do that quite yet. But I digress. All of this, I know just a little, it's it's a Monday morning and I'm feeling energized And I feel a little bit better. I've gotten a little more sleep now that the wife has felt better and been able to get a little more sleep. And so I feel refreshed. Weekend's over. My five-year-old turned six, had his birthday party. It was a fucking blast. So it's been exhausting, but a good past week, weekend, whatever. And... I just had to get some of that out because I am so tired of seeing this stuff, man. And I got to try and remember that I can't sit there and argue with everybody on Twitter because the the people that still support Trump at this point and are not on board with this movement of change that we have going on, those people at this point, the lines are kind of drawn. Those people aren't going to change their minds and maybe you'll get a few of them. But for the most part, the people that were iffy have now come to our side, you know, like the people that were in the middle have chosen a side, you know what I mean? The most of them, the majority of them. So we we just need to keep fighting, man. We got to everybody get out there and vote. I fucking voted yesterday. We got our little local Arapahoe County stuff in. And I went ahead and filled that shit out, threw it in the mailbox, slapped my I voted sticker on. You know why? We need to get old ass white people the fuck out of government. That's number one. Number two, we need to get in more diversity. Diversity. So I did whatever I could on my ballot yesterday, yesterday to not only vote blue, and I'm not Republican or Democrat, I voted both. But I don't trust any fucking Republicans at this point because it seems like even though you can clearly see the wrong that the president is doing, very few Republicans have come out against him. It, and that's part of what bothers me about all of politics is you're gonna stick with your team, no matter what, no matter how bad they are. And I know there's a lot of people out there that support Trump and don't think he's doing bad, and that's fine. They're fucking idiots. <laughs> but just is to me that's like you don't if something's wrong, something's wrong. You call it out regardless, even if it's on your team. People say whistleblower, whatever. No, this is you fucking do what's right, man. That's just my opinion. Just my opinion. But I can't be voting for no Republicans. <laughs> because too many of them are not opposing what Trump's doing. And I'm not cool with that. So I, did, I went with the blue. And I went uh, as diverse as I could. And I looked into the candidates. And I did some local voting. I am ready to vote in November to get this guy out of here. And he said he's not going to watch football but that's another thing. That's another thing. All these fucking people. Are they really going to watch football? Are they really going to, I mean, not watch football? (laughs) And I saw someone on Twitter make a good point. Okay. You're not going to watch, uh, sports because of the protesting. So, um, what are you going to watch? And somebody's like TV movies, Okay, well, there's a lot of celebrities that are protesting and in this fight as well. So you're going to not watch shows that have celebrities that, oh, or is it just the black athletes you're not going to watch? Well, there you go. Exactly. I would like to see all these people who think they're just going to automatically cut out sports and any entertainers who are supporting Black Lives Matter, and who are supporting kneeling during the anthem and things like that. You really think they're gonna (laughs) go all that time without watching? Because I guarantee you, a good chunk, over half of these fucking people that say they're not gonna watch, they're gonna watch. Now, maybe they do so privately so they can still act like they don't (laughs) watch, but I guarantee you, over half these motherfuckers that say they're not gonna watch are gonna watch. Because it's fucking football, man. And you know what? Enough of my commentary on everything going on in the world. I like to put my opinion out there, express my point of view. But I realize I'm, you know, I'm just a dude. Just a dude trying to chat some fantasy, trying to speak his mind, get through, get through his way in life. You know, that's what we're all trying to do. And I'm fighting with y'all. And I just like to talk about this stuff because it's important to what's going on in the world. And it's big because it does feel like there's change coming this time. I mean, for the NFL, you can call that statement as hollow as you want. But the, the fact that they actually came out and opposed what President Trump said, basically, you know. Andrew Brees has done the same, addressing the president himself. Once you get that, that's a big deal, man that's a big deal. So enough with that. Enough with that. Go vote. Go vote. Let's take a quick break. We're going to get back in here into the madness and talk a little deep sleeper action. Yes. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome to The Madness. Yes, 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 yes. And in The Madness today, we're going to talk a little deep sleeper action. Now, I realize not everybody appreciates uh, my social commentary. And so if you're a fan of the show and you're tired of me talking about it, find a different show. Sorry, I know I have no shows. I, I hardly any... I just not like I have a huge audience. So I really hate to you know, shoo away any of the few I might have, but it's true, man. I wouldn't be talking about it so much if it wasn't such an important aspect of what's going on in of our world in general right now. All of this shit is important, man. The country It's just in a bit of turmoil right now. We got a big election coming up. There's a fucking pandemic still raging. I mean, shit is crazy. Shit is crazy. So we can't help but talk about it. Because, well, it's great to get on here and talk fantasy football. And, you know, if we get football, then yes, we're, we're doing something good here by continuing the fantasy talking. Giving people something to, you know... To indulge in when they take a break from their protesting and and everything they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Fighting disease, etc. So, I'm very happy to continue doing what I'm doing. But I do think it's important to point out things and talk about what's going on in the world. Because it's so big. You know, this isn't like, hey, there's another fucking mass shooting we talk about for a minute. And then gloss over, because... That's what we do in this country. They don't fucking want to do anything about guns. Uh, but Even with all the shootings. we are just going to go out just keep going. Like, this is huge. There's so many people involved. You're seeing things in other countries. Like, everything that's going on in 2020 not only feels straight out of a fucking movie, but, like... <laughs> We're at one of the strangest and craziest places of our lifetime. So we can't just ignore that, in my opinion. But I will say I've said enough today. (laughs) So I'm going to just back off of that. I'll back off. And we'll get into the deep sleeper action, right? So I'm going to go like, you know, like I do normally when I'm talking about this kind of thing where we're going through different positions. I'm going to go through it by position. And we're going to start off with the running back. Now, these are some guys I really like this year. Good for Dynasty. And, you know, I guess not really in a redraft. Other than if you're doing a guillotine league. Because these are some guys you can have at the end of your bench. But probably a little too deep for redraft. But definitely guys that if you're in redraft, keep an eye on. Because if they start to make a little noise, you might want to snatch them up because they could really be beneficial to your rosters this year. At running back, now, for an example, Travis Homer, he's someone I've talked about a lot. Okay. Best comparable to Matt Breida, great workout metrics. And again, Chris Carson, we know his issues. Carlos Hyde, not the greatest and he's old. So opportunity could be there for Mr. Travis Homer. Now, that's someone I've spoken about and someone I really like. But after him, there's a few more running backs I like. A couple of rookies. Eno Benjamin, Josh Kelly, Joshua Kelly. Now, here's the thing. Joshua Kelly is a pretty fucking good running back, man. And the thing with the Chargers is they have Eckler and Justin Jackson. But those are two similar running backs, okay? Okay. And Austin Eckler, as much as I love him, and I think he's a really good bat, he's still he's still not the biggest of guys. And while he looked good without Melvin Gordon last year, you have to wonder if Eckler is the type that could maintain a three-down role throughout an entire year. Okay. Especially if he's not gonna have that bigger Melvin Gordon to come in and 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 you know help out. But here's the thing. He is, because that's Joshua Kelly. And Joshua Kelly is really someone that could just step in and probably play a similar role to Melvin Gordon. He's upper percentile, 40-yard dash, speed score, agility score, 77 percentile college dominator. This is a good back, athletic back, with college production, Okay. And yeah, you look at it, he played for UCLA. (laughs) But still, you got to think about, like, when you look at the player's profile, right? And you see he's athletic, and you see he produced in college, that says, dude's legit talent. Doesn't guarantee he'll succeed at the next level, but you know he's talented and has the potential. Then you look at the Chargers depth chart. Again, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson. Not the biggest guys, and they're very similar. But I like the both of them. But Joshua Kelly could bring a different dynamic. So he could be involved in the game plan earlier than any of us suspect. And then with Eno Benjamin, okay. Now this guy, just based on the Cardinals offense. Okay, you got Kenyon Drake there. Now, I know everybody is super stoked about Kenyon Drake because of the year he had last year with the Cardinals. But I'll remind you. And again, I know it was on the Dolphins. And they've been atrocious. But Kenyon Drake still didn't do shit. The best of running backs can produce even when they're on shitty teams. I mean, Adrian Peterson, he's done it. Backs can produce on shitty teams. So we can't, people can't keep looking at Kenyon Drake and his time in Miami and going, well, the Dolphins failed him. Yeah, I agree. But the best of backs, the most talented backs, can find ways to produce regardless. Look at, here's an example. Cam Akers at fucking Florida State and College this year. Adrian Peterson. Fuck, bat, man, back when the Vikings had eight, blah, 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 blah train is starting to go off the tracks there. Back when they had Christian fucking Ponder, wouldn't no defense is scared of that dude, so they would just stack the box against Adrian Peterson, and he was still killing people. The best backs aren't going to let something like, my team isn't very good and my coach is an idiot, stop them from producing. So, to me, Kenyon Drake is so fucking overhyped this year, and I really like Chase Edmonds. I really do. And he's what Chase Edmonds' profile is better than Kenyon Drake's. Okay, Chase Edmonds potentially could be better in that system than Kenyon Drake. And Chase Edmonds was pretty good for that one game last year, and then he got a little banged up too. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I also I think you have to take in Eno Benjamin. Okay. Because of the style of offense the the Cardinals seem to be running, they can really do some work with these kinds of backs. And I think that's why Kenyon Drake is doing well in Arizona because he needed to go somewhere where, again, because he's not good enough to just produce no matter the circumstances, he needed to get in the right circumstance. And I think Arizona is good for that. But, again, we'll see what happens. Best comparable player for you know Benjamin is Duke Johnson. That's another guy who should be a three down back, but for some reason the Texans have always just used him as that change of pace role. I'm not sure why they haven't given him. Maybe they've seen something we haven't. Maybe they know more than we do. But looking at the profile and looking at his Duke Johnson specifically, his efficiency in the NFL, it is confusing why Houston doesn't ride him more. But he's comparable to Mr. Eno Benjamin, Eno Benjamin, above average 40-yard dash, burst score, 87th percentile, agility score, 71st percentile, college dominator, 85th percentile, college target share, 96th percentile. Now, Eno's more your typical, prototypical satellite back, but I do think he's a satellite back plus in this offense because I think he can do what Kenyon Drake is doing okay? But I also think Chase Edmonds can do the same. So we'll see what happens with the Arizona Cardinals backfield. But should an injury occur to Drake or to Chase Edmonds, you know, it's right there, man. And even without injuries, he he could potentially, you know, we'll see what happens with Chase Edmonds. But you see this with teams where a new coach comes in and you got this new regime and they just kind of want to bring in their own guy. So even if Chase Edmonds is better than Kenyon Drake, and even if he's better than Eno Benjamin, he may not necessarily get the chance to show it there because Cliff Kingsbury could be like, look, I brought in Kenyon Drake, got rid of David Johnson. David Johnson wasn't my guy. You know what, Chase? I like you, but you're not my guy either. I got I drafted Eno Benjamin. See what I'm saying? Coaches are fucking weird. They don't always keep the players that they should because there's some talented players that get overlooked in part because coaches will go... Well, he's not. I didn't bring him here. (laughs) It's a weird thing. But anyway. So I like both of those rookies. I also like Dare Ogamadwale. Blah, 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 blah. And he is one of the people that has been working out with Tom Brady in Tampa. So I think you definitely have to look at that. Could Dare be that uh, James White type? Maybe now he doesn't have the best player profiler or player profile. He's above average with burst and agility score, but everything else is below average. And the one really positive thing that you see when you see when you look at his, his profile is the college target share is in the 85th percentile. So again, satellite back. Again, Tom Brady, James White. Hmm. Mm. If the Bucks are going to use like a Ronald Jones and a Keyshawn Vaughn to like run the ball, they we could see Dari out there on third downs. We could see Dari used in a similar fashion to James White because Brady likes that. So that's another one I like and to keep an eye on. And the other is Brian Hill. Now I know a lot of people <laughs> hopped on the Brian Hill bandwagon last year and were super excited, and then he he did really jack shit over a couple of games as a start. But I think that's a little bit of the Cardinals offense as a whole. And look, it scares me. He got his opportunity and he kind of shit the bed. But looking at it, he still has, in my opinion, the best profile on the team. Aside from Todd Gurley. If you look at Todd Gurley, sure, maybe in a different offense, Maybe another year of kind of, you know, getting away from major injuries. And, you know, he still has the, the stuff in his knee. I mean, his knee is never going to be perfect. But maybe he comes in this year feeling a little better. But should anything happen to him? I mean, let's face it. Ido Smith hasn't kind of been... Hasn't kind of... He, he hasn't done what some of us thought he was going to do. We thought he'd be able to be more productive... And he'd really be a guy you could count on once the Falcons moved on from Devontae Freeman. That were Tevin Coleman, really, because you, you know you thought once Tevin Coleman was gone, that Edo Smith was going to be the Tevin Coleman to Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman gets her. none of this shit works out in Atlanta. And then you got Cadre Olison and you got Brian Hill. Now you got all these guys on the fucking roster. Brian Hill, again, outside of Todd Gurley, has the best profile. And he's going to be cheap as hell because everyone who took a chance on him last year feels burned. But that is the last deep sleeper of the running back position because I do think Brian Hill, if he gets the opportunity again this year, will impress. Now that's taking a leap of faith. But again, if you look at the depth chart, aside from Gurley, Brian Hill is the most talented back. Does that mean it'll translate on the field? Not necessarily, but Cadre Olison, Ito Smith haven't exactly done shit to make me, to build confidence in me either. So that's what I got for running backs. Moving on to receiver. Now, another guy as an example for these receivers that I've talked about before was Olamide Zacchaeus. He's someone I see who you can get free, free, waiver wire. <laughs> and he's someone. Who has a great profile and could potentially be that slot receiver for the Falcons that they've never really had. And that would make them, that would make that offense that much more powerful. If, if Todd Gurley can stay healthy, and then you got Hayden Hurst at tight end, you got Julio and uh Calvin, Calvin Ridley on the outside, throw Zacchaeus in the slot, boom, 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 boom. So these are some more deep sleepers I got for you. Now I'm going to go ahead and go with a few rookies right off the bat. We'll start off with the rookies. We got Joe Reed. And then a couple of guys from the uh, from the Eagles. Quez Watkins, John Hightower. Now, Joe Reed, he's the type of guy that I think you could see him play right off the bat. Because let's face it, they have... Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. But other than that, I know of course, they've got Hunter Henry. But who's their number three? And Joe Reed has 74, let's put it this way, 447 40-yard dash. Speed score, burst score, upper percentile. He's fast, okay? 6'1", 224 pounds. Now, this is a guy that can play special teams, so he's likely to get some action on special teams right off the bat, which could potentially lead his way into making some noise at the receiver position, okay? Because they're going to need weapons for Tyrod, for Justin Herbert, should he come in. And so I like Joe Reed a lot, especially in that spot. And then Watkins and Hightower, these guys are burners, okay? Okay. And basically, I look at it as, should Deshaun J- Jackson falter again? Well, the Eagles don't want to go through what they went through last year when, well, their receiving core as a whole just fucking fell apart. But really, that first game, you saw what Kurtz and Wentz and that Eagles offense looked like when they had fucking speedy-ass Deshaun Jackson in the lineup. I can't even remember the totals, but it was six or seven catches, 100... Like, he had a great first game back in the Eagles uniform. Now, he's getting up there in age. I own him on a few teams because I feel like he still might have a year or two left in him. But if not, the Eagles are prepared for that. Should something happen to Deshaun Jackson again, you've got Quez Watkins and John Hightower, who can both burn. Now John Hightower, like, a little bit better simply because of draft capital, which, to me, you know to me, isn't the hugest thing, but you have to take it into account because it means something to NFL GMs and coaches. It means something to them, okay? But I like both those guys on the Eagles because I think that was part of the... The Eagles wanted to beef up their receiving core. They brought in Jalen Rager, right? They're trying to get some pieces. They traded for Marquise Goodwin. Another guy who's a burner. Right? Marquise Goodwin went to the Eagles, right? (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. They, they, they've got these fast guys because you saw what Carson Wentz was able to do when he had Deshaun Jackson. Right? So, we have to say, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Are you going to keep doing that? Well, he very well could because Marquise Goodwin, Deshaun Jackson. But again, you got these rooks there too. So I think it's going to be interesting. But I do think if something happens to Deshaun Jackson, yes, Marquise Goodwin is there, but I think you could see some play from Hightower or Quez Watkins. So those two guys I'm keeping an eye on. Now, a few more guys I like. I like Travis Fulgham, second-year guy for the Detroit Lions, because, again, this is another team that they don't really have a third receiver. They've got a little bit of a running game going. They added DeAndre Swift. That'll help. They've got TJ Hawkinson. They've got their number one in Kenny Galladay, and then they got Marvin Jones, who's solid. But there's room for more. And particularly if, like, a Marvin Jones gets hurt, Travis Fulgham could be the one to step in and make some noise. Now, I drafted him in a couple leagues last year because I like this dude's profile, but he didn't do much, you know? So I'm interested to see if he gets a shot at all in his second year. Because 6'2", 215 pounds. Now, he didn't have the greatest 40-yard dash, but he's above average in speed score, burst score, agility score. He's got a hell of a catch radius, high dominator rating, high yards per reception. Best comparable to Michael Gallup. And nobody's talking about this fucking guy, man. Nobody. Nobody. And it's not like it's the hardest depth chart to crack. But I digress. <laughs> I, I really do. I really like Travis Fulgham, and I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do this year. So, And I also like Stephen Sims. Now, I originally put on here Trey Quinn slash Stephen Sims because I like Trey Quinn too. Problem is, it, I don't know if Washington likes Trey Quinn so much, and Steven Sims got a lot of run last year, and it sounds like this year there's a lot of praise coming in for Steven Sims, and it makes you wonder, hmm, Steven Sims, yeah, he might turn into uh, that next producer after Terry McLaurin at wide receiver, because there's not a lot there. They, they do have Kelvin Harmon. They've got a couple other guys there, but... It's really Terry McLaurin and who? And I figured Trey Quinn would get a shot, at least in the slot, but it sounds like they really, really dig Steven Sims. And so that's someone that I'm going to pay attention to. Um, Again, he had some production last year. And I remember thinking last year, like, is this just someone who's a flash, one of those flashes in the pans, like he has a few good games and it, because his workout metrics are not great. <laughs> they're not. So you just have to wonder because with these kinds of players, you have to wonder if the if the coaches like the bench, are, are they an outlier as in, you know, they're outperforming their metrics or is there something wrong with the numbers? Was there something wrong when their workout metrics were being recorded, that they weren't quite able to perform, it is th- there's factors that go into this. Because, it, you know, it is rare to see someone with not the greatest player profile go on to be a very productive player in the NFL. So, Steven Sims, though, they seem to really like him, so I'm keeping my eye on him, but I still also keep your eye on Trey Quinn, just because... He's got a little bit better of a player profile. But again, you also got to pay attention. You can't always go with who on paper is the better athlete because sometimes it can be a little tricky on you. And it's not taking into consideration coaches' opinions, which unfortunately matter a great deal. (laughs) And I also have on here Marquise Lee. And the only reason is Marquise Lee early on looked pretty fucking good, okay? I remember. And then he got hurt. And then he got hurt. And he just couldn't stay healthy. And I do think Nikhil Harry is the main man, is going to be the main man in New England. And I think Julian Edelman's gonna start to fade away. he's Because he's getting fucking older, man. And I do think you're gonna start to see some more different receivers pop in there. And I do think Marquis Lee, Sleeve, he can stay healthy... He is a good receiver, and he could make some noise, but we'll see. We'll see. And we're going to go to the tight ends now. Um, Last position, I'm not going to do quarterbacks because, but tight end. And someone I brought up previously has been Josh Oliver, you know, not much uh, in his way. The Jags did sign Tyler Eifert, but I've spoke on that. Oliver is someone I could see by the end of the year being the Jags tight end one. And even more, I could also see it for my next name, Cahale Warren, second year guy. Now, this is someone I brought up previously on the podcast because there was something that came out about Cahale Waring working with Deshaun Watson, which is interesting because they do have Jordan Thomas, Jordan Akins, and Daniel Fells all at tight end. Now, Daniel Fells seemed to catch some touchdowns last year, but he never caught any yards. And some people like Jordan Thomas, some people like Jordan Akins. I kind of liked. Aspects of both of them, but neither one of them have ever done shit. Bottom line is that tight end depth chart is crap. Yeah, Aikens and Thomas had a little bit of a promise to look at, but they haven't done shit. And that's why the Texans have been using old oh, as Daniel Fells. <laughs> so now, Cahale Warren, enter the picture. Someone I really think you need to get your hands on. And a couple more tight ends. Look. Tight end is a little bit harder because it does take time for these guys to get involved because there's so much to the position with learning. You, you know, you got to learn your routes. You got to learn your blocking, blah, blah, blah. So it's a little bit more difficult, but I do think I got a couple names for you. One being Mo'Ally Cox. Now, this dude is just, I'm just going to say, he's big. He's big. He's a very large, he's got like, was it the the fantasy footballers used to um, talk about him and <laughs> his hand size? Cause yeah. He's just kind of kind of a big dude, you know, 6'4, 262. And he's got he doesn't have the greatest 40-yard dash, but his speed and burst score is above average. Well, his burst score is up in, in the upper percentiles, is an upper percentile catch radius, and a very high spark cue. Now, you wonder, just on paper, because he doesn't, It's it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but Co- Coach Reich has already came out and said, Mo'elly Cox is going to play more, okay? And the, yes, they have Jack Doyle, but J- Jack Doyle's not the most impressive tight end either. I mean, why the hell did the Colts sign Eric Ebron the year before if Jack Doyle's so awesome? okay Jack Doyle seemed to be more of just a, a, a good buddy of Andrew luck more than anything I'll Jack Doyle <laughs> so you enter in Moali Cox he could be fucking great in the red Zone so big guy Red Zone has some speed burst to him some athleticism okay for Philip Rivers yes give me some moali Cox. Because I, th- I, th- I think he's going to step it up. And they've already came out and said they want him to play more. And I think they did sign Trey Burton. But that dude proved he's not a great pass catcher. And maybe he gets better. But the way I look at it is, Jack Doyle's fine. But if Moali Cox can prove himself in any way, he could become actually the tight end one on that team. And then my last one is Logan Thomas. And really... I'm going to put this Logan Thomas and Thaddeus Moss. Because the the tight end depth chart for the Redskins reads Jeremy Sprinkle and Richard Rogers as the first two names. Both fucking garbage. Garbage. Now, Logan Thomas obviously was a quarterback. Transitioned to tight end. But his workout metrics are off the charts, dude. He is a fucking hell of an athlete. And you wonder, he's been working on this craft for a couple years now. If maybe he kind of, just like with fucking tight ends, just regular tight ends coming into the NFL, you got to learn the blocking, like what I just said, the blocking, the route running, and, you know, switching from quarterback to tight end. Maybe it just took him a couple years to learn that, but he's got the athletic profile. He's a fucking smart kid. This could be someone who steps out as a fucking hell of a tight end. And then they also drafted Thaddeus Moss this year. But I just look at this tight end depth chart and I say, the guys at the top of the list, the top of the chart, they're not going to fucking do it for him. It's garbage. So they have to do something. And you look at that depth chart and you say, fucking Logan Thomas. That's the name that pops out. And you see Thaddeus Moss and, you know, there's some questions with, with his profile and his production, but that's still... It's still someone you need to look at. But if I'm to pick, I'm looking at this depth chart and I'm saying, Logan Thomas, it might be his time to finally step into the spotlight. But that's what I got for you. That is what I got for you. Some of my fave deep sleepers this year when you're drafting or when you're trying to find some peeps on free agency to get you through. So, yeah, that's what I got for you. But, well, we'll go ahead and take a quick break and then we're going to come back, close up shops, talk a little bit more, talk about what we're going to do next week, and then close up shop. All right? We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Game over, man. It's game over. Game over is right. We enter the end. Of the episode today. Thank you for joining me for Fantasy Madness. Yes, yes, yes. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend, all of you. And I highly suggest, by the way, checking out that 30 for 30 doc on Bruce Lee called Be Water. Fucking good stuff, man pertains, I finally finished it, I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive on my other podcast, the Miscellaneous Debris Podcast so make sure you follow me on Twitter at RMK Madness to check that out and look for it when it's coming also keep an eye out for, uh, I have an article or two coming out on Player Profiler this week, the first one well, we discussed some of that material last week, but the rookie bus who are going to be sophomore studs That's right. That we got into a little bit last episode, and that's what my first article of the week will be on. And then, uh, yeah, the second article, should that get published this week, we'll probably discuss that on the next episode, which is the case for drafting a top quarterback. Yeah, so we'll probably get into that next episode. But I digress. Again, check out Water. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. And it very much pertains, you know, to some stuff that's going on in the world today. With racism and, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, during Bruce Lee's time, there was a lot of that too. A lot of fight for, you know, racial equality with with blacks and, and Asians. And, you know, it's a tumultuous time. And he was trying to, you know, make it in the movie industry where he was continually... You know, typecast is just this, you know, kind of almost like, you know, a toy. Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, they didn't take him very seriously. He was just kind of a, a toy for them. Like, hey, check out, we got this little Asian guy who can do flips and kicks and, you know, an attraction as opposed to an actor, you know. And I, th- th- he had to fight a lot of stuff. So it's pretty interesting and... Uh, Definitely makes you think, and it definitely pertains to some of what's going on in the world today, so definitely a good one. There's also another doc out about Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, and I gotta be honest, I considered watching it because I remember that period of time. Might have been the last time baseball was actually interesting (laughs) to me. I can't watch baseball. Like, if the Twins or the Rockies make the playoffs, you know, because I'm a Colorado Minnesota guy, so I root for those teams... Those are my places, the places in this country that actually, you know, hold some meaning in my heart. And so if the Twins or the Rockies make it to the playoffs, I'll pay attention. But for the most part, I'm not watching. It's boring. They're not doing anything to evolve the goddamn game. Like, they're just losing customers. They're, they're, they, I read this thing today that the average baseball player is 57 years old. Just keeps getting older. They're not bringing in any young people. And they don't seem to care. Their sport is fucking dying. They might not even play it all this year because they can't get along about shit and agree on shit. And a lot of people are blaming the players. Like, hey, just fucking take less money and play so we can watch some games. And like, I get it. You you know, if everybody's taking a discount, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but on the other hand, they're the fucking players. (laughs) Okay? They're the ones making the money because they're the ones doing the action. They are also the ones that are going to be out there putting their self at risk. So all these owners can say, hey, we're losing money. And, you know, some of our people under us are losing money. Yeah, you don't have to fucking be out there not only playing and risking whatever. You're risking your health because of the COVID. So... I don't know. It's you're going to have a real hard time getting me to side with management on anything because I'm all about that rage against the machine, fuck the system, all that stuff. It, you got to give me a real good reason to side with those kind of people because I know, I know, I know from experience. It's those people that are the fucking problem in this world because the people that have it easy, that are rich, white, powerful they just have a way about them, man. Not enough of them listen. Not enough of them care. And rich people are fucking weird, man. They're weird about their money because it's like they don't want to lose it because they don't want to ever be without it. So some of those rich fucking people are so weird. I've seen it in restaurant businesses, man. You could have rich fucking people drop three, $400 on food at a restaurant and not tip you shit. So to me, there's a disconnect (laughs) with baseball and with people, you know, in that kind of position. For me, so I'm I'm a little bit rebellious as it is, (laughs) but seriously, when it comes to baseball, man, their sport's dying, and they're really they're really. They're really not doing anything about it. It's crazy. I, I mean, you would think they would try and do more to bring young people in and try and evolve, but it, it's just, it's similar to some of the caveman thinking we got going on in the country right now. You know, this confederacy is our heritage. Bitch, the confederacy was like a few year thing. What, four or five years? I have a kid that's been around longer than that. <laughs> like the fuck are you talking about heritage heritage is something built up over time like these again these people want to make it about something when it's not you just want to use this stuff to hide your racism and shit but i digress i digress we're getting all over the place sorry it's probably why you calling me the mad chatter i'm a little bit mad and i just like to talk and sometimes i bounce around all over the place but anyway I digress. We're going to close up shop, get the fuck out of here. Remember everybody to follow me on the Twitters at RMK Madness. Keep an eye out for my next podcast of Fantasy Madness and my next episode of Miscellaneous Debris as well as my articles on playerprofiler.com which you'll be seeing coming out on my Twitter this week. So keep an eye for all of that. And to all of you, good luck in your drafts if you're doing any drafting this week. And everybody... Stay safe, stay strong, stay vigilant, okay? Much love to everyone. We'll chat again soon. Until then, peace out. Welcome